0: Good morning. It is good to be with you today. And as it always is, it's been kind of crazy the last couple of days. And so, uh, nice to be here to worship God. Our lesson for this morning continues our series on marriages of the Bible. And today we're going to be talking about Jacob and Rachel. I tried to uh, factor in Leah in this, but I think it took away from... The story of Jacob and Rachel, so I left it as it was. Um, but the story is subtitled, Till Death Do Us Part. Our story for today begins in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28, and beginning with verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan-Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you. That you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger. Which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Padan Aram to Laban the son of Bethuel the Syrian. The brother of Rebekah the mother of Jacob and Esau. It's kind of interesting how our series have tied together on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. We've been studying a lot from the book of Genesis. And we have so far studied about Isaac and Rebecca in our series as well. And um, We understand the, the dangers that happen whenever Isaac and Rebecca had difficulties in their marriage they had difficulty communicating and that was one of their, their major problems. And it kind of led to what happens here because Rebecca didn't want Jacob to take a wife from the Canaanites. And so she, she plans this out with her husband a little bit. He doesn't know everything. But she convinces him that, that Jacob needs to go to her family. And so that's what Isaac instructs him to do. Rebecca, at least, intended for Jacob to come home one day. She thought that very soon she would send for him and he would return. However, at least as far as we know in Scripture, she never saw him again. Now Isaac did see Jacob again, but only just before his death, when his sons buried him together, as we read in chapter 35 verses 27 through 29. And then the the story that we have for today really begins with Jacob's commitment to Rachel. Now we see that that Jacob meets Rachel. And like I said, there's a little bit of Leah in here, but most of this is, is focused on the relationship between Jacob and Rachel because that was one of the most important as far as their marriage was concerned. Genesis 29, we begin reading in verse 1. Genesis 29 and verse 1. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there. They would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. we skip to verse 9. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob his sister's son that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house so he told Laban all these things and Laban said to him surely you are bone of my flesh bone you are my bone and my flesh and he stayed with him for a month I have to wonder as I read this passage, was Jacob possibly trying to impress Rachel by rolling away the stone himself? Maybe so. Is this an instance of love at first sight. We often hear of that being the case. I don't know that I believe in love at first sight necessarily, but certainly when he saw Rachel, he, he saw her beauty. He was intrigued by her. He wanted to know her. From their first meeting, one of the things that we recognize in this story is that Jacob, at least in his mind and heart, was committed to spending the rest of his life with her if possible. Jacob makes an agreement with Laban in Genesis chapter 29 and beginning with verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should be your wages. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Obviously, as we read in this story, they had plenty of time now to really get to know each other. Jacob had committed himself to work seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. It's interesting that almost immediately after meeting her that he was ready and willing to commit his life to working for a girl that he barely knew. But as they got to know each other the 7 years seemed to fly by as only a matter of days. How beautiful is that to have that kind of relationship to have that kind of beginning Seven years, and it only seemed as a matter of days because he loved her that much. Now as we continue reading in chapter 29, we find out that things don't go as well as Jacob planned because Jacob is given Leah first and then offered Rachel for another seven years of labor for Laban. In Genesis 29, verses 26-26, through 30. And Laban said it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week. And we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. they he didn't have to wait another seven years to have Rachel as his wife, but he did have to commit to serving Laban for another seven years to be able to be given that privilege. And in verse 28, Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel, his wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel. He also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. Another instance of favoritism, except this time it's not with children, it's between wives. This is the first instance of a plural marriage that we read of in Scripture. The first time that, that one of our the patriarchs has taken on two wives. From a personal standpoint, I'm reminded of a song Trying to Love Two Women. It's like a ball and chain. But for Jacob. It must have been much different. At least from the beginning. At least in his sight. One of the things that we recognize here is that Rachel was worth a great deal to Jacob. She was worth so much that he was willing to serve Laban for seven years to be able to marry her. And then when he was given Leah instead... He was willing to serve another seven years. Fourteen years in all to be able to marry her. Jacob would have done anything necessary for Rachel. He would have moved mountains if he had to. Now, we might ask the question, what were Jacob's options here? Did he have any other option than taking on two wives just to have Rachel? Now, he could have accepted Leah as his wife and moved on. Uh, By law, that would have been probably the way to go. He had a wife and he should have been fully committed to her. And maybe his life would have been a little more peaceful. Who knows? And maybe he could have rejected Leah as a, a breach of contract. He didn't agree to work seven years for Leah. He agreed to work for Rachel. And maybe some way he could have, uh, maybe somehow he could have questioned that, at least to some degree. But he chose to go into a marriage with two women, two sisters. Leah, and Rachel. It wasn't fun and games. It wasn't all pleasure. As a matter of fact, I don't know how much pleasure there was within this marriage with two women. But we do see trouble in paradise as we look at the house of Jacob. Turn to Genesis chapter 30. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Genesis 30 and verse 1. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Interesting words to get later in the story. Verse 2, and Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel and he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Jacob had the right idea here. It wasn't him that had control over whether Rachel was able to bear children or not. It wasn't his fault. He wasn't God. And she should have recognized that. Leah had borne to Jacob four sons. And Rachel was unable to conceive. Similar to what Sarah tried to do with Hagar, Rachel gave to Jacob Bilhah, her maid, to bear children through her. For Rachel, giving Bilhah to Jacob was all about competing against her sister for his favor. Genesis 30 verses 3 through 8. So he said, or so she said, Here's my maid Bilhah, go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees, that I also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid his wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, What great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister and indeed I have prevailed." So she called his name Naphtali. In answer to Rachel's actions, Leah gave to Jacob Zilpah, her maid to bear him children. Jacob now has four wives. Two of them are of more importance than the other two. But basically wives nonetheless. And all of this basically boils down to Rachel's jealousy of her sister. Jacob agreed to this arrangement because he loved Rachel and he wanted to make her happy. I have a feeling that she didn't find the happiness that she desired, at least not completely, but all of this was an effort to make her happy. After toying toying with Jacob, sending him from one wife to another, one maid to another, Rachel was finally allowed to conceive. And in verses 22-24 through 24 of Genesis 30, it says, Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Uh, again, I, I think we can sense a, an air of jealousy competition it was about another son even Joseph being born to her uh, was not enough she wanted another son she named him accordingly but we see that, that even though Rachel was flawed Jacob still favored her he always favored her and that never changed We see it in Jacob's fear of his brother Esau in Genesis 32, verses 3 through 8. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau's brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Verse 6, Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. Instead of seeing this as a joyous occasion, a joyous meeting, Jacob is greatly afraid, as you read in verse 7, and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. So because of his fear, he divided his camp. We read in the next chapter, chapter 33, verses 1 and 2. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants... And their children in front. Leah and her children behind. And Rachel and Joseph last. Now why would he put Rachel and Joseph last? It kind of goes back to the old saying, save the best for last. At least in some, some respect. You see, Rachel and Joseph were well protected in the rear of the company. Should Esau's favor be against Jacob and his family, they would have time to flee. So again we see his favor toward Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel until her death. Genesis 35 verses 16 through 20. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear you will have this son also. And so it was as her soul was departing for she died that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. If I'm correct, as far as history is concerned, her grave can still be seen today. Rachel named the child Benoni, meaning son of my sorrow. It, it was his for his life that she gave up her own. Jacob had a different take on his name and named him Benjamin instead, meaning son of my right hand. And in naming him we again see Jacob's favor on Rachel. Among his children, Jacob loved and favored Joseph and Benjamin the most. This created great strife among the brothers, leading to Joseph being sold into slavery because of their jealousy. Before realizing Joseph had become a ruler in Egypt, Jacob was hesitant to send Benjamin with his brothers for food during a drought. and famine. And Jacob loved Rachel maybe more than he was willing to, to admit well after her passing. And speaking of her passing in Genesis 48 verse 7, it says, But as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way. And there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is, Bethlehem. Notice how he said that. Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan. You see, he was loyal to Rachel even until her death. We marry, one of the lines in the vows that we give, depending on how you word them, till death do us part. And that's the idea of marriage. It's not something that continues until there's there are problems and then you get a divorce and marry someone else. And, That's not how God meant marriage to be. Still death do us part. And with Jacob and Rachel, he loved her till the end. Now there are a couple of lessons that we can learn from the marriage of Jacob and Rachel. There are also some things that we can learn that are probably not a good idea, such as having more than one wife. But there are some good lessons that we can learn. See, Jacob didn't make promises he was unwilling to keep. You ever done that? Been dating someone and and you know, I promise I will do this for you. I will give you the world. I'll lasso the moon. You name it. We make promises that we know we can't keep. They sound great. I would die for you. How many songs do we hear with with lyrics such as that. But it doesn't matter if you make the promises if you can't keep them. It's very important to make sure that when we make promises that we are able to keep them. And he committed himself to Rachel from the beginning. Not even so much a word, but indeed. And he stood by his commitment to her. Even when it came down to him being married to Leah and he still wanted to marry Rachel and he had that ability. Laban gave him that option. You fulfill Leah's week and I'll allow you to marry Rachel also to serve, serve me another seven years. He had committed himself to Rachel to the point that he was willing to enter into something that was unfamiliar territory to him. I'm sure that he didn't know of other marriages like this. At least not from the standpoint of his father and his grandfather and those before him. But he was committed to Rachel. And he would do whatever he had to do to have her as his wife. And even after Rachel's nagging and constant lack of contentment, because that's one of the, the themes that we find in this story a lack of contentment, he still loved her. He truly loved Rachel until he died many years after his own death. That's the way marriage is supposed to work. Love them until the end. And another lesson that we learned from Jacob and Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel for who she was. You know, he didn't try to change her. But he accepted her with her flaws. That's something different with Isaac and Rebecca. They, they had trouble talking to one another. And so when their marriage started to go south, it just kept going. It didn't, there was nothing that really brought it back. It was, it was something that was very difficult on both sides. But the difference with Jacob and Rachel is that Jacob still loved Rachel deeply. Even after seeing her flaws, even after going through all the things that he did for her, it never made his love for her diminish, not in the least. He accepted her for who she was. She was jealous, but he accepted it. She nagged him, but he accepted it. She wasn't content, but he accepted it. And even after she died, he still professed his love for her. He never wavered in his devotion to his wife. And those are good lessons for us to learn in our marriages. That we never waver. That we don't try to change someone because... We're not. Now, there are going to be little changes here and there, especially as we grow in Christ and our service to God. And those are good changes to make. But I've never heard of a marriage entered into where one spouse was deeply committed to changing the other that ever worked out in the end. He loved her from the beginning. And he loved her till the end. I hope that these lessons have been helpful to you. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with Christ. Maybe it is that you're not a Christian. Maybe you need to obey the gospel. Through through repentance, confession, baptism for the mission of sins. Maybe it is that you need to come back to the fold of God. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to, to Christ to a service, or to ask for forgiveness or for prayer on your behalf. But as we always do, we offer the invitation. If you're in need of responding, we give you that opportunity. Together we stand and as we sing.